This is such an exciting day for me. I'm so excited you're here with me today. It's the launch of my third season of I Used to Be a Therapist. So the series is called The Essentially Better Life. So for the first episode, I wanted to talk about something that could be helpful to everybody. So I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Lauren Simisich, where we talk about mindfulness and grounding, and it was a great conversation. You know, if you've listened to the intro to this season, that I'm incorporating essential oils into the mix. And I've done a bonus episode on some oils that will be really helpful for you to use when you're working on a practice of mindfulness. The oil blends that I chose for this week's theme were Young Living blends called Present Time and Grounding. So I have a link to those bonus episodes in my show notes and on my website. So I hope you find that very helpful. And I'd love to hear from you too. I'd love to get a review from you or just hear from you. Send me a message to let me know if this has been really helpful for you. So here we go. Lauren Simisic is a licensed clinical social worker who lives with her family in New Jersey. And she is the founder of Therapy Influencer. She's created a growing Instagram platform that was specifically designed to influence emotional and spiritual wellness. Lauren currently sees private practice clients in New Jersey, and she offers spirituality and self-discovery coaching to anyone in the world. So I hope you check her out. Lauren has been so fun to get to know. I know you will want to find out all the things she's doing and get connected with her. We have a fun conversation about mindfulness and grounding, and she gives practical tips on how to grow your mindfulness practice. You're going to love this. Let's listen in. My name is Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Leaving my career as a therapist, business owner, and counselor educator was a big risk. But now, as an author, coach, entrepreneur, and podcast host, I am fulfilling my passion to help people move forward toward an essentially better life. Each episode is filled with stories, information, and ideas that I know will be valuable to your life and to the lives you touch. So if you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I know that this is a place that you will feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Lauren, thank you so much for being with us today here on the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's fun to see your face. I get to see your face. Everybody else doesn't get to, but I get to. So it's kind of fun to (laughs) get to see you, get to know you. This is fun. Um, We're going to talk about mindfulness and grounding today, something that you're really good at and have have a lot of expertise in. So I'm excited to hear all that you have to say about that subject. Um, But before we get going, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your family, all the things. Sure. Um, So where should I start? So my name is Lauren Simisich. I'm an LCSW in New Jersey. I have had my license, I don't know, eight years now, I guess. And I worked most of my career in addictions in different rehab settings. 
And then within the last year, I moved to the private setting and I work at a group practice. Um, primarily, I mean, I see whoever, but I am trained in EMDR. So I do that. And I do a lot of trauma work. And I really like to talk about anxiety and grounding and mindfulness, obviously, Uh um, and things like that. So I do take a more psychoanalytic approach mixed with some mindfulness and things like that. And then on the side, I like to talk a lot about spiritual, what I call spiritual wellness. So my Instagram is the therapy influencer. And I like to talk about spiritual self-care and connecting with yourself, which is all these practices, grounding, mindfulness, all of that good stuff. So I talk a lot about that there. Um, I think I said I live in New Jersey. I'm married, no kids, just dogs. We love our dogs. Um, Lots of nieces and nephews. So they're keeping me busy for now. And yeah, I like to travel. We have an RV. It's pretty much the only interesting thing about me. (laughs) That's kind of fun. You have an RV. We we have an RV too. And we just came back from a trip that we were on for a little while. And it was kind of a fun, fun thing. So yeah, it's awesome. Great uh, for my self care. (laughs) Right. RVing is kind of fun. Uh, But I don't like camping, by the way. I like, I like what I do, which is barely camping because I have a very nice trailer. (laughs) Right. So like a microwave and a a bathroom, a kitchen, a microwave, a fireplace. (laughs) Right. A really, I have, I have like reclining chairs. I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) A farmhouse sink. Like it's bad. Right. But that's what we put our, we don't do much of anything else. And we didn't really like remodel our home. So we were like, you know what, we're that's what we're going to put our money into. That's fun. Okay. Well, so I have been asking everybody on this season's lineup, because you're all therapists, to talk a little bit about why you became a counselor, why you became a therapist. Can you talk about that a little bit? I can, but it kind of happened by accident, I feel like. Um, I didn't really know about counseling. I come from a pretty dysfunctional family, but nobody got help. So So I didn't didn't know. know what counseling was. And I just like thought everyone was kind of messed up and that's just normal. Um, So I wanted to be a teacher and that was kind of, I knew I wanted to help people and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was like, okay, I guess teaching is pretty much that. So I went to college and then I actually took, uh, right before I declared my major, I took an intro to social work class. And I was like, ooh, wow, like social work still at that point really wasn't that big. I had Mm -hmm. never heard anyone talk about it. Obviously, everyone's perception at the time of a social worker was a DIFUS worker, which is totally not what it is. But I didn't know what it was. So I was like, I'll take this. Like, I thought it was more about like helping people and things like that. And I found out that I loved it. And I was like, well, this is what I want to do. So I kind of just fell into it. And I was like, wait, this is exactly how I want to help people. I, I like educating, but in a social worker role, you can advocate, you can educate, you can hold space, you can you can do so many other things than just educating. And I thought that was really cool. And I stuck with it. And here I am today. Wow, that's a great story. It's very similar to my story of how I became a therapist as well. Like, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I sort of just fell into it, too. So I love that. Yeah. So um, you talked a little bit about what your practice is like. Can you tell us 
like who do you see? What 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 are your clients like uh, yeah. specifically? Um, I mean, we have a pretty. I work at a group practice, and there's about I think like thirteen or fourteen of us. So we pretty much have a lot of different personalities and specialties and things like that. So I kind of. I will see anyone. I'm a mental health professional. I can see anyone, but I tend to find people who are, who gravitate towards me. I don't know if it's coincidence, the universe, whatever you believe in, but a lot of people I tend to get are people who have trauma. I mean, we all have trauma, but have identified trauma, um, are anxious, maybe burnt out, don't really know who they are, um, maybe lacking some self-worth, self-esteem, and are trying to heal those trauma symptoms while also figuring out how they can fit into the life they want to live. Mm. Like, how do I create that path? I talk about that a lot with my clients, you know, together, we're going to forge your path. We're going to create it. We're going to teach you how to stay on it. Mm. Um, So I do a lot of grounding work, a lot of trauma work, a lot of spirituality without them realizing it. I mean, to me, spirituality at its very core is just connecting with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do that with a lot of my clients. And yeah, a lot of anxiety, because when you don't know who you are, I mean, there is genetic anxiety for sure, but there's also situational anxiety that can come from untreated trauma that can come from not knowing who I am, not fitting in my own skin, Mm -hmm. all this other stuff. So I definitely see a lot of anxiety with that as well. Well, it sounds like you have a really well-rounded practice. So let's, let's jump in to talk about grounding and mindfulness. I would love for you to define what you think the definition is anyway of of grounding. Maybe we'll just start with that, right? Yeah. And maybe what it is and what it isn't. Okay. Yeah. I may compare from time to time and talk about both just because to give you an example. But to me, grounding, a lot of when we talk about in the therapeutic sense, it's more of a technique. Mm-hmm. So m- when we get to mindfulness, we'll talk about that, but that's a state of being, mm-hmm. whereas grounding is more of a technique, right? So grounding is going to be the skills that we use to get your body rooted on the floor, grounded, centered, anything that you would think of, like, think of the word, think of the description outside on the ground you know, you're there, your feet are in the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe if we're drifting in a dissociative state, or if we're experiencing trauma symptom, or if we're overwhelmed, or we're highly anxious, a grounding skill and being able to become grounded uh, would allow me to be fully here and now. Mm -hmm. What it wouldn't be would, I guess, be the opposite. If I was airy, if I was in the clouds, if I was all over the place, floaty, could never make up a decision, didn't know where I was, lost track of time, anything that's in the air, if you compute it to what air feels like, that would be the opposite, right? So to give you kind of that visual metaphor, grounding would be the literal ground in the here and now. I like that. Let's move to mindfulness. I would love for you now to define mindfulness, at least how you define it with yourself, with your clients, how people might use mindfulness. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but just a definition. And maybe, you know, people might have the wrong idea of what mindfulness is, right? So I often think they do. Yeah. 
Well, so let's hear a little bit about what you think it is. So I think when people hear, well, A, and I'm no expert by any means, but I think to some extent I've taken a lot of courses on mindfulness. I've done a lot of work with mindfulness. I've done a lot of trauma work. So again, I'm not a specific mindfulness expert, but I've used it extensively for years and done a lot of my own personal work. So for me, I do think that it's very, the word is very overused in our field and in this self-care culture that has become. So I think people just throw it out all the time. Be mindful, be mindful. I'm mindful, mindfulness, mindfulness, right? So much so that it's good, but people just turn away to it and have an aversion to it. And they're like, oh my gosh, mindfulness, mindfulness, right? So Oftentimes I find a lot of resistance with it. People who haven't engaged in maybe in a, like a spiritual self-care practice, they're like, oh no, that's not for me. That's spiritual silliness, woo-woo type of stuff. And I'm like, not really. Um, so meditation is not mindfulness, right? So that's for another time. So meditation is separate. Mindfulness isn't going into the mind and unlocking stuff and all this stuff. Mindfulness is just a full blown present moment awareness. It's just that state of being, of being fully self-aware and kindly acknowledging bodily sensations, feelings, thoughts without judgment. So it's bringing yourself. And a lot of us think we do that. We're living, right? I'm in my life. I'm in my house. I'm doing all these things. Aren't I mindful of it while I'm doing it? Actually not, right? Many of us are disconnected. And I always show my clients, you have your head and you have your body. Most of us are in our head. What's next? Clean the dishes, cook dinner, do this, got these bills. What's tomorrow? That's not being mindful. That's being in the future mm-hmm. <laughs> or we're in the past. Like, oh my gosh, I should have done this. What about that? Right? So full present moment awareness, being where you are while you're doing it is mindfulness in my eyes, at least. Mm-hmm. And it sounds what you're talking about. I mean, it's, it sounds so intentional. Yes. It's conscious awareness, a choice to be mindful. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I talk about mindfulness oftentimes with um, even my coaching clients now about just saying that it is intentionally paying attention to your moment, right? Yeah. It's intentionally paying attention. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is that it's yeah. just being really intentional about focusing on what's happening in this very moment. And I liked also, you said something about without judgment. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece to it because. So I always say two things without judgment and without making a story, right? Mm-hmm. So once we start making a story, that's when we lose the awareness. So the story, if I'm noticing the leaves or noticing the warm water while I'm washing dishes, the story is if I keep going and then this, and then this, and before I know it, I'm back to like my train of thinking and I've lost it. Right. So it's okay. The practice of mindfulness is coming back, is coming back. We say that's like a bicep for your brain, right? So Mm -hmm. that ability to come back to that present moment is so helpful. So Um, to me, it's not telling the story and not judging. So the other piece is just being kind. It's not even, it's really not even about being kind. It's about being neutral. If we're being fully technical, it's not about being nice, unnice, kind. It's just about being neutral. Everything is how it is right now. 
So we don't make a story. We don't judge it. We don't interpret it. We just experience it. And that's the part of mindfulness and grounding that I think a lot of people, especially in 2020, for good reason, are having a hard time doing is experiencing their present moment because it's really difficult, right? So we think and our body goes into avoidant tactics or all these other things, and that takes us away from the present moment. Mm -hmm. So why is it important? I mean, so many people are talking about mindfulness, right? Anywhere you look at self-help stuff, they're talking about mindfulness that word might get watered down a bit or, or twisted in somebody's mind of what it is or what it isn't. Right. But why do you think it's important for our mental health, for emotional well-being to cultivate a mindfulness practice or to work on mindfulness in general in our life? Yeah. Oh, so many reasons. And I'm laughing because as you're talking, I realized that my iPad is propped up on mindfulness cards. <laughs> the title <laughs> of them is called mindfulness cards. And I didn't even realize. <laughs> so it's everywhere. And I didn't even know I did that. So many reasons. I, I think, and what I would normally say is probably similar, but with this year, mm-hmm. I feel like it is more now so important because when we experience trauma, distress, any of these things, and right now we are all going through some form of trauma. This is traumatic Mm -hmm. to our bodies, our brains. What we slowly start to do is disconnect, like I said earlier. So, you know, our heads over here, our bodies over here, for good reason, our body's trying to help us not feel this. Mm -hmm. But by not feeling for a long time, we can have adverse symptoms, right? And that's where other things come into play. That's where self-harm, addiction, depression, anxiety, that's where those things come into play, right? So people think if I'm present, I'm going to feel and I'm not going to feel good. And that's actually a myth. If you're present and you feel, you feel through your emotion and it dissipates and it passes much quicker. We can't hide from whatever we're going to feel. It's there, Mm -hmm. right? We can try and go around it. And that's what I always tell my clients by not being mindful. All you're doing is going around what's already there and there's no shortcut. You know, so I think it's so important to, for us now, but in general, to help with these mental illness symptoms, to help with inner peace, to help with clarity, because a lot of people in the mundane nine to five fast paced society, social media world we live in, they're very foggy. They don't remember things. They don't have clear, concise point A to point B, right? They're all over and they are able to multitask, but we can't really multitask internally. (laughs) It doesn't work as Mm -hmm. good internally like it does physically, right? That's so true. That is so true. We try to do both multitask internally and and physically. It doesn't work out for us very well. Yeah. 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 And even physically, though, I mean, biologically, I guess, mindfulness has such an impact on our brain, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How it it calms the specific areas of our brain by just intentionally being present where you are. Yeah. Right. And also increases serotonin. It lowers uh stress levels. um, It lowers blood pressure, cholesterol. (laughs) Like, honestly, you can have so many and I've seen it firsthand. I've seen physical people with physical symptoms like 
degenerative disc disease and you know physical stuff be healed through yoga through mindfulness through all this stuff and you can have and I should have said this earlier you can have no spiritual practice whatsoever mindfulness can be a part of your life if you're like a hardcore biker a surgeon it could be you can be anyone you don't have to be I think a lot of people think this vision of a yogi who's you know out in the fields and there are the people who utilize mindfulness. No, literally anyone can be aware of what they're doing. You actually don't have to change anything. You can live the life you're already living, just being more present and involved in that life. Yeah. That makes sense. And it doesn't happen all the time, nor would you want it to, but just taking time and even setting an alarm or whatever to do that. Yeah, There's well, apps the for that, right? Like, yeah. kind of tell you to breathe, breathe which is cool. Right? Um, so they're helping. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's really, it's very helpful to understand that it doesn't have to be like your whole life. It just has to right. change a little bit to make a huge impact on our emotions, on our relationships, and our ability to function in relationships, and our physical well-being. I mean, it changes, and it doesn't seem like it should, right? It doesn't sound like it should, but it does. And I always tell people, give it a chance, right? Like, they'll say, it doesn't work for me. I'm like, what did you try to be mindful for one day? Yeah, that's not going to work. But if you make it a consistent practice and come back to me in four weeks and tell me it doesn't work, okay, that's different, you know? But it is something, like you said, it could be done 10 minutes a day at start, a few times a week. Take your dishwashing practice or your dog walk or your walk to the mailbox. One mundane task you do do that mindfully for a few weeks and that can make such a huge difference. Yeah. It's a hard thing to start and it feels weird and your mind wanders, right? Like that's what you were saying. And what did you say about, it was a uh, mind or a brain, a uh, brain bicep, like a a, bicep curl for your brain. Every time you come back to the present moment. Yeah. You strengthen the muscle. I like that a lot. So let's talk a little bit about what you have found helpful. I mean, I'd love to hear even for yourself personally, what you have found helpful in mindfulness and how that has impacted your life, but also for your clients, how, what have you found that is helpful practically for them? Yeah. Oh, so many things. So for myself, I mean, I really think this was a turn of my kind of self-care and it really fell into when I was becoming a therapist, which was cool because I did a lot of, so what I see a lot of people do myself included and clients and friends and family, they try to fix themselves externally. So I would buy something or I would go to a class or I would do something and get a new journal and a planner and, you know, thought that were all the answers. Right. And I see a lot of people do that. Like we're constantly consuming thinking that that's the fix. And that might be partially the fix. But for me personally, I'll speak for myself. I didn't do true inner work healing until I worked from the inside out instead of the outside in. Mm. So from the inside out, I had to sit with myself and really feel what was inside. And for a lot of us, that is uncomfortable, right? So I was saying earlier, I work with people who 
have been through traumatic incidents or who are actively working every day to suppress painful memories, Mm -hmm. right? So to sit in the present moment isn't as easy as it sounds, but when we're fighting so hard against it, it does more damage, right? So first we work on creating internal safety. And I think that's where grounding comes in, right? Mm -hmm. So some practical things like you asked with grounding can be um, present moment awareness statements, you know, and I always tell people to add on a present clarification at the end. So like, I am safe. You want to say now, today, here in this moment, something like that. So I am here now. I am safe today. My body is a safe place to be, right? So having an affirmation or a statement that you use when you try to practice this is really helpful because even 30 seconds for some people, if they've been spending a lifetime trying to get out of their body Uh is really, really difficult, right? So I would say with grounding, you can do, that would be emotional grounding. Mm -hmm. And then physical grounding would be something around your physical senses. So like walking on the grass and bare feet, having something in your hand that you can rub and feel Mm -hmm. anything again, that can bring you to your body because that connects your head and your body. I'm rubbing something. I see it. I'm looking at the color. I'm intellectualizing what it is while also feeling it that connects my brain and my body. Just like if I were to feel distress and say, I am safe now, I'm acknowledging the distress. I'm not judging it. And I'm also saying I am here now. So those are two ways to ground. So that really helped me. And I think those just a couple small tools to kind of give people some confidence with it, I guess is probably the right word, I think can be really helpful. But yeah, for me, tuning inward And getting a little uncomfortable before I got better was definitely what helped. That's, I think, what helps many, many people, if not everyone, right? That we have to be aware of what's happening inside us, probably first, probably first, before any kind of real healing is going to happen or long-term healing is going to happen. And I think what you were describing or what you were talking about is observing and describing our senses, right? Yeah. So yeah. in a in a DBT sense, yeah. right? You, it's, yeah. you, you would say that you are observing and describing. So maybe you are walking on the grass, right, with your bare feet. And so you're going to observe that moment and pay attention to it intentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Moving your brain there. And then describe it without judgment. This is terrible. I hate the feeling of that. That's that's judgment, (laughs) right? But just it, you know, can feel this on my feet. I can feel whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, So that's, that's just really practical things to do. Sure. And you could do that with anything. I think the outside thing brings in that element of grounding, Mm -hmm. like literal grounding. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can do grounding in your computer chair, feel the arms and Mm -hmm. describe it. What is the colors of your wall bring you into your room, right? So that's used a lot with PTSD symptoms such as flashbacks, nightmares, dissociation. Um, But even if you're feeling, like I said earlier, floaty, Uh, can't concentrate, can't motivate yourself, uh, racing thoughts, grounding skills can be great for that as well. Um, You can do that while you're at work. Any, no one has to know it's happening. You just kind of go inward silently, describe what's around you and, and get back to the room, you know? That's, 
those are really good skills. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She's just going through so much grief. Like she had somebody she really, really loved died this year. And she's just been so sad and just going through so much grief. You know, she was just talking about how important the grounding practices have been for her. And, you know, she's like every other time in my life now, I, when I'm not doing that, I feel like I'm floating or like I'm, I'm never touching the ground or I can't get out of wherever I am, you know, and just paying attention to where her feet are, where her arms are, where any part of her body, if she's sitting, you know, on a chair, what part of my body is touching the chair and focusing on that. And that just helps calm the um actually calms the amygdala it makes it not not be activated so much and it you know it helps produce serotonin in our bodies and so and and it really really calms her brain so that she can so she can think clearly and in that moment now it's going to come back right that's the whole thing and that's the point I tell my clients at all the time. It doesn't mean that your friend isn't going to feel sadness, right? But Absolutely. what grounding helps us do, we don't want to judge emotions. No emotion is good. No emotion is bad. All emotions are emotions. We should have them all as long as they're balanced. When they become imbalanced and they get too big or too low, right? That's when we can have some unwanted symptoms. So when we go from sadness to a high grief or sadness to depression or irritability to aggression, right? When it exacerbates, that's when we want to use grounding, right? So grounding Mm -hmm. just gets us back to baseline, but it doesn't mean you're not going to have a feeling. And I think that's why people often tell me it's not working. And I'm like, it's not a magic wand. It doesn't take (laughs) away pain. We can't take away pain. We take away the suffering. So the suffering is like what you said with your friend. I can't concentrate. I can't get up. I can't go to work. I can't do any of this. Grounding and mindfulness too help us learn how to feel an emotion in a balanced way and tolerate it Mm -hmm. so that I can also carry out life tasks and still experience joy and still experience other things. And eventually they pass. And like you said, they will come back but they do pass if we give them space to do so. Mm-hmm. When we're not mindful or grounded, we don't give them space to do anything and they do whatever they want and mm-hmm. they take over us. Yeah, they really times. hijack us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of those things are just so helpful and such good insight. Thank you for sharing those. I also wanted to say here too that I have a bonus episode and my podcast, and maybe I'll put a link to it in the show notes for um, body scan. And body scans can be, especially guided body scans can be really great for mindfulness and for grounding, actually. So I hope y'all listen to that. Don't listen to it while you're driving because it'll make you <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> yes. um, anyway, so is there anything else you want to share with us before we move on about mindfulness or any other grounding practice? I would say don't give up until you find what works for you, right? I know you do a lot with essential oils and that's what helped me. So uh, I tried a few things until I realized that scent was my Mm -hmm. grounding friend, right? So I thought it was weird at first. I thought people were weird who did, you know what I mean? If you think something's weird, go for it. So many people stop their healing by thinking things are weird, right? So 
I use scent, uh, candles, essential oils, sage, even my scented chapstick. If I have nothing else, I'll just breathe that in and it brings me to a centered place. I've just trained my body to use that. But for somebody else, it might be physical touch. It might be something else. So try things that you think are weird. Try different things to ground yourself and practice them. Give them a few months before you say it's not working for me because Mm -hmm. this can and will work for anyone. Mm -hmm. That's really, really good advice. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. So I want to hear how we can get a hold of you and how people can get in touch with you because I know they're going to want to. So So right now I'm kind of in the midst of a rebranding and doing all my social media and everything. So the best place for now would probably be my social media, my Instagram, which is at the therapy influencer. So that's my Instagram. And I like to put up a lot of, I make my own content for most of the posts. That's like informational, educational, and fun gives you kind of a glimpse into maybe what you would do in a therapy session or coaching session to try and take the fear out of it and mm-hmm. the stigma out of it. So you can kind of see like, Hey, this is just, and I put a little satirical humor in some of it. Like, like that. it's not that scary. We have fun in session, but to me, therapy is, I made the name the therapy influencer because to me, it's not just the office space, you know, therapy, isn't that just our in the office to me, therapy is everything we just talked about is how you take care of yourself. And any time to me, any time that you put towards healing yourself is therapy. So I talk about that in a lot of different ways. And then I have a newsletter and some things that you can sign up for on there as well in my bio. Great. I will put all of that info in the show notes. And I know that people are going to want to follow you right away just to hear more about you. Now, can people see you outside of your state? Um, for coaching. So if you want to see me for therapy, then I can only be in New Jersey. Um, you can DM me, I can link you up with my office and we could figure that out. But I am going to be rolling out individual coaching and um, a weekly kind of course that I set up like an individually run course. So that should be coming out soon too. So just DM me anyone who might be interested, I can give you the information for that. And that could be international on that end of things. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you three questions. I ask everybody on my podcast. Uh, The first one is an event that changed you. So I was thinking about this and I wanted to gear it towards what we're talking about. So um, I, I think it was about four or five years ago, I went to Tennessee And one reason it changed me because it was the first time I flew alone, which sounds silly, but it was a really big, I'm very fear-based. I have a lot of anxiety. I work on a lot of my anxiety, but it was a huge step for me. So to do that in and of itself was already great and changed me. And then it was a, a marketing event for my job and it was supposed to be a professional weekend. So I'm like, oh, great. It was at a rehab but it's a experiential rehab in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking this is going to be great free lunches, right? So I get there and they're like, no, you're all going through what we do with the clients for a weekend. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so I had just got there, knew no one. I'm in a state I've never been in. And then I went through experiential treatment for three days. I jumped off a cliff. I went in, um, did a lot of work with 
uh, Native American stuff. I did equine therapy, all this stuff that I had no idea was happening. It was super out of my comfort zone. We did ropes courses, all this stuff. And it was deeply healing for me. I don't know if it was Tennessee, the air, the work, the vulnerability. It was insane. And it was so amazing. And it changed me. So for me, I need physical work. I've realized that in the last five years, I carry things physically. So I can talk all day, as you can tell, but I need to release doing physical stuff. So that was super awesome for me. That's really fascinating. <laughs> that, I, I love that. Okay. A person who changed you. Um, I wanted to choose someone named Pastor Vince. Uh, one of the rehabs I was working at, we ran a spirituality group and I co-facilitated it with a pastor. And we didn't run it religiously. We ran it spiritually. So anyone was able to join non-denominational, but he was just somebody who really enlightened me. I didn't grow up with a specific religion or going to church. And, you know, we're sitting in a room full of recovering drug addicts and pastor Vince, and it was just a really cool experience. So he taught me a lot about humility and empathy and self-awareness and, I love Pastor Vince. So he changed me for sure. Oh, that is sweet. I hope Pastor Vince is out there listening. I hope care. so too. <laughs> okay. And a book that changed you. People are going to think I'm joking because it's what we're talking about. And they're going to think I'm just saying this because we're talking about mindfulness, but I'm not. The book is called, I actually brought it for you to see. Um, it's called Peace is Every Step. Peace like inner peace, P-E-A-C-E. Peace is Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh, which you've probably heard a bunch of his books, but it's a very small book um, and it talks about mindfulness. So I'm not just pushing this for the episode. This book really did help me on my journey of mindfulness. It was kind of my starter book. Somebody uh, recommended it to me because it's very short and it just, gives you some um, meditations and then also just some very short practices that you can do within two minutes. And it's so helpful, so easy to read, easy to digest, but it really transformed my practice. And I'd already been practicing for a little while. So I love that book. It helps me on my journey. And I think it can be super helpful for your listeners for sure. That is great. You know, somebody else told me about that book, maybe last week and I've never heard about it. So yeah. I think I need to put it on my Amazon yes. list right now and buy it. And that's interesting <laughs> that there are real practical yeah. exercises in there. I'm that's fascinating. I'm excited to get it. And you so. can you can pick it up and put it down. It's like paragraphs. Oh, so it's like little so snippets. Cool. It's so you don't have to read it once full through. You can go back to it, read it here and there. So it's very easy for people who might be too over. I know right now with everything going on, it's kind of hard to read, but this is definitely easier. Great. Well, thank you so much for being part of this series and, and sharing all of that insight and information and wisdom with us. And I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. We'll talk soon. Yes. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes and you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. 
follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friend.